I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome my audacious and wildly talented friend, Carly Coe. Carly now resides in Northern California and uses her specialties of working with somatic bodywork, Akashic records channeling, and divine play with her clients. During our interview, Carly takes us back to her earlier life where she traveled the world for 20 years, where she performed circus theater shows in front of over 100,000 people and worked as a high fashion model in Milan and Paris. We discuss the healing nature of somatic work, especially when done in nature, and the incredible value of joy and play. Carly also shares with us about her whole experience of writing, producing, and now performing in her one-woman tragic comic theater performance called If You Knew She Could Feel, which is a showdown between the planet and humanity. Carly's work and the message she sends is rich, powerful, and so needed at these times. I'm so very grateful to have her as a friend and a guest on the show. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hello, Carly, and welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Mm, Hello. (laughs) Welcome to me. Welcome to you. (laughs) (laughs) So excited. here. Yeah, it's wonderful to to have you on the show and to get to hear all about your work, some of the more specific work you're doing right now, um, which is a one-woman show that I will be seeing this Sunday, and I'm very excited for. So we'll definitely want to hear about that. So Carly, uh, a few months ago, you uh, had a little get-together for the summer solstice, and I was fortunate to come see your beautiful space in Northern California, right on the coast. And we had a wonderful time holding ceremony for the the solstice. And it was a wonderful chance to get to know you a little more and get to meet you in person, which is so rare these days. Yeah, it was really lovely to be able to finally meet all these women that we've been online for the last six months and finally being able to actually see each other and be like, oh, you're a lot shorter than I thought you were, (laughs) you know, or you're taller, you're you're different. (laughs) So it was like, it was, it was, it, it's really different to be able to meet someone in person. There's just all these different senses that, that are there that aren't when you're on a screen and yeah. And we held ritual together. And, and I think that whole ritual, we were doing a, some, a solstice ritual and bringing in the new, if I remember right. And just ritual has been really present for me lately. I tend to be prescribing people rituals regularly. <laughs> Yeah, they're very needed and and so important. Rituals really hold space for intention and, you know, sort of declaring and evoking what we're what we're looking for and looking to bring in. But we can move on to if you want to share a little bit also about your show that you're doing and Mm -hmm. sort of how you how did you come into that work of doing have you, are you a, an actress? Have you always been an actress or, or an artist? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I started out acting actually. Okay. So I was a, a model. I've been a model since I was 15, but I was extremely shy, like ultra, ultra shy. And, but I always wanted to travel. 
And so when I actually started traveling, I went to Italy where I was modeling in Milan when I was 20. And I had actually met someone in America who was a street performer and we kind of had a mini story. And then um, I left to go off to see the big world and to go hopefully have tons of boyfriends and, and, <laughs> and meet uh, other men and other people. But unfortunately that, unfortunately that didn't happen. And actually I missed him like crazy and I called him and he's German. So we ended up going to Germany and uh, buying a Volkswagen bus and started traveling through France in the beginning. And he was doing street performing for, you know, money and, I couldn't just sit there and have him earn money. So I learned to juggle in the forests. And I, my first thing I actually did was fire chains and I would <laughs> swing fire chains. And one day when he was doing a show, he said to the audience at the end, this is busking out in, out in the South of France. And he said, okay, well now she's going to do the grand finale. And I was just so utterly shy. Like I was chronically shy when I was younger and and, but I knew there was something that was like, you've got to do this. If you want to get over your shyness, you've got to stand up and do this. So I like swung my fire chains in front of these people looking down at the ground. And that was my first time ever performing. <laughs> and, you know, we made a, a little bit of money. Yeah. And I actually even forgot what the whole question was in the beginning. But <laughs> oh, how I became a performer. Yeah, that's how it started was having to make money to be able to travel through Europe. And we continued on and he was probably doing 90% of the show in the beginning. And then I was learning more like juggling and acrobatics and things like that as we traveled. And we were, we were busking in the beginning for the first like year or so. And then when we were in Italy, uh, different festivals started to contact us. And then we started getting gigs all over, all over Italy to do theater festivals or street theater festivals and then it ended up being like a 50% 50% show we had this big comic duo where we were kind of this vaudeville style where I was like dressed in sequins and corsets and top hats and and it was like a slap a bit of slapstick style comedy uh, mixed with vaudeville and uh yeah it was totally a success and then when we split up like three years later I went on to do my own sh street shows and by that time it was all you know, getting gigs all over Italy. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I was very successful in Italy because there weren't many women alone doing solo shows, which, you know, might also be because of the slightly macho culture in Italy. So there aren't that many women doing their own thing. So people, and, and in Italy, it's so valuable to be beautiful. So I had both the best of both worlds. They called me, oh, bella and brava. So you're beautiful and talented so that was like the ideal so I worked a ton in Italy and I have to say that Italy treated me like a queen it was really it was really nice and fun and crazy and just traveling all the time living in a camper actually because um I I would work I would actually work during the summer and then work during carnival time in February and a little bit at Christmas so I'd spend like five months kind of working which is like moving from festival to festival and then the rest of the time, I would just travel to some hot foreign country. Yeah, just sounds like a good know. life. Yeah, it was it was a pretty great life. It's true. And and the best thing about working was, you know, every time you get to meet the other artists there, and it was like we kind of all knew each other. 
And it was such a fun environment. It was like, it was definitely not in your regular body rhythm in the sense we would have shows at 10 at night, 11 at night. And then we go eat afterwards at one in the morning we would, you know, eat and in Italy you eat for like three hours at a time. And then, you know, they were all artists. So it was crazy. And, and then you'd go to bed at like five or six in the morning and then sleep till like one in the afternoon. <laughs> so it was a very slightly off, off the natural rhythm of life cycle, but it was a lot of fun, definitely a lot of fun. And I got to be in nature all the time, just being in a, in a camper so my you know my living room was the beach the forest wild nature all the time and that was yeah it was, you, it was a good life and you did this for over 20 years is that right so I did that in Italy for 10 years and then and then I was deciding that the thing about Italy is that in reality they they kind of like just the easy, fun social life. And so there's not that much pressure to move forward and to evolve. At least this is my own perception of, of how it is. So I was doing a, my show for years and I, I didn't have to develop it. I didn't have to create a new show. It just sold, you know, left and right. And I could keep doing my same show and nobody was pushing me to move or evolve more. And I wanted to, to do more. I wanted to go more into theater. I wanted to learn more things. And I was like, okay, I want to go to theater school. I want to go to, I mean, we did a little bit of circus school for a few months in, in Italy, but I, at this point, I really wanted to develop more in my art. And I was, um, I met this Italian guy that I saw a performance at the circus school in, in Italy in Milan. And I loved the show. It was like contemporary circus. It was so good. And I was like, I want this guy to be my director. And I was currently working on a new show. <laughs> it's funny. I bring up this memory and I asked him to be my director. And I was like, you are probably really expensive. And he's like, not if I like it. <laughs> you know. So I had him come see my show uh, or come see what I was working on, which was a total disaster. But Anyway, to make a long story short, he worked on my show and we also got married. <laughs> um, just a very quick. So yeah, we had this crazy, beautiful, amazing relationship, got married and that lasted for six months and then we broke up and then I moved to Paris to get away from Italy and um, all of that and going to Paris thinking, okay, well, I'm going to go to the top. I'm going to the top of culture, the top of art, the top of shows. I'm just going to try and make it in Paris. So I went there and I was, um, I ended up doing a corporeal mime school for a year. I did a, a contemporary theater also for a year. But the, after first arriving, I think a month after I arrived, I ended up meeting the father of my child. It was kind of meant to be. Yeah. And then I stayed 10 years in France. Um, and that's all a whole nother chapter of my life <laughs> also full of performing and modeling and all of that yeah it was a little different at that point I ended up actually showing up at the the father of my son's house without ever meeting him I had met a guy in Italy and and I asked him what to do in Paris and he's like oh I'll give you a whole list of things to do and uh, he never did and finally one day he's like oh just call this guy he'll you know he'll tell you what to do and I I had no idea who this person was. I thought he was, my friend said, oh, he's a crazy artist. And 
he had also sent me a picture at some point of this old guy covered in paint with this like naked woman behind covered in paint. And he wrote on this Facebook thing, he's like my crazy French artist friend. And so I thought I was going to meet this old crazy artist when I did finally call him and I didn't really speak French. So I waited for a month until I started to speak a little French. And when I called this guy, he's like, yeah, you know, like, uh, viens quand tu veux or come when you want. And and I show up at his house and it ends up being this guy who's my age. And basically we destroyed the whole house, made music, put on costumes, like had a war, <laughs> pretend war in the house. And I ended up, um, yeah, ended up uh, being with him and having a child with him. So now I have a French boy who's still living in France. And um, so for those 10 years, we were, we spent about five years in Paris, which I actually uh, hated Paris. I know that for most Americans, that's kind of a downfall, but yeah, I really hated Paris. I didn't like the big city. I didn't like feeling anonymous in such a big city and it felt very stressful and high speed all the time. I think Paris is lovely if you're right in the center and then you can walk everywhere and you can go to cafes and restaurants. But we were slightly on the outskirts. So it was like metro and then, you know, there's a lot of uh, violence and crime in the out, just on the outskirts. So that was, that was really hard for me. And I finally convinced him to move down to Bordeaux to the countryside. And in Paris, I started actually teaching yoga. Um, I ended up getting certified. I flew down to Arizona to Sedona in Arizona and I got certified for Hatha Yoga. And I started teaching yoga out there along with creating theater shows. But in Paris, the level is a lot higher than in Italy. So I had my theater shows that I was doing, but I wasn't necessarily making a good living out of it. So I, I definitely ended up building really high quality, like the, theatrical pieces out there, but can't necessarily say that financially I was successful in my theatrical performances. I was surviving more with, with teaching yoga. And then when we did go down to Bordeaux, I, I we actually ended up splitting and, and he, he came, we, we had bought this big place in Bordeaux with like 10 acres of land. And we literally split like a few months after we finally moved down there. So he ended up uh, keeping that place. And I ended up in another piece of land nearby and just dealing with, you know, the, the, the joint custody thing. And I was teaching yoga. And at the same time, I started learning somatic movement and expressive arts therapy, which totally changed my life. Not that other things didn't change my life, but that was such a deep journey into, into my own body and the memories of my body. And I think that's something that's, that's continuing on through, through my work and through my performances and I also got to the point where through performing, I've always wanted to transform people in some way. And, and so I got sick and tired at some point of just being entertainment, having people pass a good moment, smiling, laughing, ha ha, and then they go home and nothing changed. And so I really wanted to, to be part of a, something that was bigger of transformation. And I always imagined that at the end of the show, I'd have people like dancing or <laughs> You know, and I tried to like architect that in the show, but yeah, it just didn't feel quite enough. So I had a period where I wasn't doing as much performance because I wasn't able to find what it was that would make me feel that satisfaction that people felt transformed. So I went a lot more into the somatic movement and expressive arts therapy world. And that's what ended up actually bringing me to San Francisco. How long ago was that? 
So I came here three and a half years. I actually moved here three and a half years ago. And what happened is I was, I enrolled in the somatic, in Tamalpa, Somatic Movement and Expressive Arts Therapy Program that's actually by Anna Halperin, who just died this year at the age of 100. And she's from in Marin in Kentfield. And she's kind of this, or this, what is it, landmark? I don't know if that's the right word. But she was one of the originators of, you know, somatic movement and understanding that there is wisdom and trauma in the body. I actually had some dear older friends in France who told me, they just said, you need, you should do this program. And I trust them so completely. And I just signed up for the program. I didn't even know what it was, exactly what it was about. For me at the time, it was so expensive. Like I had, I did not have a lot of money in France. And I was just like, up to the day of when I was going into the program, I was like, I could live for a whole year in a foreign country, you know, with this amount of money. What am I doing putting this money into this program? And literally the day of even going to the program, I was going to ask them if I'd eventually be able to have my money back if I didn't like, you know, that day. Yeah. And that definitely pulled up, like, I'd like to say it, like pulled out my intestines, like flipped them around and put them back in kind of thing. And, and I did that. For a year in France, it was one week a month, and it was like discovering all the stories hidden in my body, you know, all the memory, all the father, child, you know, all the all the old stuff popping up and out of my body and getting vomited onto my onto my drawing or in my movement. It was extremely intense. And the second year, you used to go for six weeks to San Francisco to to Kentfield, and I didn't realize that when I signed up. And so I, you know, I had to ask the father of, of my child at this point where we're separated, been separated already for like three years or four years when I asked him. And so he let me go for the program, which was six weeks. And when the second I got back to San Francisco, because I lived here when I was 19 for like a year and a half, I'm actually from Arizona, but I lived here when I was 19 before I went to Europe. And so when I came back, and I was driving over the Golden Gate Bridge. I was just like, every cell in my body was like screaming, I need to be here. I need to be here. I need to be here. And it was just like the impossible situation. Like I have a child in France you know, and his father will never in a million years let me take him. So I, I, I did the program and, you know, being a model and an actress, I just, it's very easy for me. I'll just, wherever city I'm in, I'll go to modeling agency, give them my portfolio and then get signed with them. So I did that as soon as I came here and they're like, oh, you could totally work. You know, there's all these acting jobs, commercials and stuff. So I was like, awesome. So I'll just go to France and I'll try, you know, I'll save some money and every, and I'll try and come here regularly. And at that time I was staying at a friend's house, luckily who actually let me stay for free at his house in San Francisco. And so for the first like six months after finishing the program, I would like save all my money to come for three weeks to come to San Francisco. And hopefully this agency, you know, would get me some sort of job. And I was just trying to find some sort of footing here. Like, how can I be part of this world and that world at the same time? And when I, when I'd come, it's like, I would, I would be there for three weeks. I had no money. So I was like eating rice, you know, rice and that's it. Or like I'd have some, like my friends would take me out to dinner, which I was always just blown away at the cost of everything. And like, they would just like pay for dinner. And I was just like in tears, you know, it just felt so expensive. And then I would get castings like the day I was leaving, 
like it, it was always just the wrong moment. And then I would like try and change my ticket and spend more money and then I wouldn't get the job. And it was just like, I was just spending money and things weren't coming through. And, and finally, you know, and I even brought my son out here once. So he got to feel this world out here and this, this world that's, that felt connected to me. And I asked his, his father and I said, um, I'd like to try six months to come out to San Francisco. You know, I'll come back, you know, every six weeks for a couple of weeks to be with my son. And he's like, you can go, but you don't take my son. So, um, and it's funny because when I told my son that we were, we were out walking around in the, in the forest and I was like, um, mommy's going to go, uh, live in San Francisco for a little while. He's like, I know. I'm like, what do you mean? You know? I was like, I've never told you. And he's like, I know, you know, and it's, he just has this intuitive thing. Like he knew already. And I'm like, are you going to be okay? Are you going to miss me? He's like, I'm fine. Like literally, but I could feel it literally that he was okay with that. And yeah, I went out there like three and a half years ago for six months and I'm still here, you know, and I go back and forth every, I try to make it not longer than two months. That I don't see my boy. And I go back and I spend, you know, between two weeks and sometimes up to six weeks in France. And since I've left, our, my relationship with him has been just, it has totally shifted. It's been wonderful. Before we used to, I was just so busy hustling left and right and just constantly my brain was all over the place and I couldn't be with him and really be present with him and now when I go to be with him I'm fully there and we get to travel together I you know he just came here for a month and it's just like this really deep beautiful relationship that's been created that I get to be really present as a mother because I'm not a mother all the time <laughs> I know that when I'm a mother all the time I just you know I can't handle the routine I, I hate the routine of like six o'clock take your shower eight o'clock you know, eat dinner or, or seven o'clock, whatever it is. It, it just, that was killing me being in France. I hated that. And so now it's like we found a, an arrangement that's not necessarily easy. It's, it's been very hard. It's like jet lag is pretty freaking hard. Traveling during COVID has been difficult, but I've managed to do it. Um, you know, getting him to fly out here and unaccompanied minor that's, that's tough too, but it's like, it, it feels the most aligned and, and what's working for, for both of us right now. Yeah. And, you know, and then I'm in wild nature and, and in France, I, there's in the area where we are, it's, everything's kind of domesticated, even though everyone thinks it's very beautiful. It's true. It's lots of vineyards and, you know, cultivated little forests but I actually need the wild. I need to feel the sensation of wildness in my own body, which I get when I'm here in Bolinas where I live is I feel the wild and I, I connect to that space within me and it just resonates so deeply. And I don't get that necessarily when I'm there in France. It sounds like you've been able to create the, the perfect situation for flourishing for yourself and your life and for others in your life that, that just sounds like it works. Yeah. I, I, it feels like it's, it's finally a space where I'm 
really connected to what is my purpose, um, which is, you know, this lifelong search all the time, like, what's my purpose? And then, you know, even as a performer, you know, I thought, oh, I'm so free. I'm so wild. I'm, you know, I do all this stuff. And then I, you know, later I realized, well, I was escaping the authoritarianism of my childhood to be as wild as possible. So in reality, I wasn't necessarily choosing, I was reacting. And now it feels like I'm choosing. You know, I guess maybe we can touch coming back full circle because you asked me about my upcoming show that I'm doing uh, this weekend, which, you know, maybe by the time this is out, it will be too late, but I'll also be doing it again in the Bay Area. And it's called If You Knew She Could Feel. And it's a showdown between the planet and humanity. And it's a one-woman show, and I play both humanity and and the planet. And all this kind of came out from, I met when I came out here. It's funny, because every time I move, it's like I meet someone. I met my now ex-partner out here, and he's an environmentalist, permaculture, uh, gray water systems in all this, this environmental world out here. And so I got... You know what I I I was always very connected to nature in a spiritual uh, like soul kind of way, but I wasn't connected actually at trying to understand how our ecosystem actually works or how it works together, and I've always felt this deep connection to nature. But now more and more I I know that you know I am nature, and when I met with him and and he would take me to all these like. You know, we went to this event in the California uh, Institute of Sciences and then got into like all these cool groups, you know, the Buckminster Fuller groups and, and you know, all these eco groups and big permaculture convention stuff. And the one thing that really hit me strongly was this like solution oriented mindset. And because I didn't, I don't have this science background for me, it's, it's like a, it's a, uh, what's the word, uh, like, in, uh, that's not the right word. It, it's just like when intestinal, I want to say intestinal, but it's like this deep inner connection that's like from my gut with nature. And so when I was with them hearing all these solutions, it just felt so disconnected from feeling what it is to be nature within our own bodies and then seeing the reflection of of what has happened in our own inner worlds and how we are putting it out in the outer world. And that now what we're doing is we're trying to fix, to fix it like in allopathic medicine seeing, Oh, well, this is the, this is the problem. Let's fix it. But we don't ever look at the cause. And I felt, I started feeling really the desire to perform in English and, and to speak about this, this issue going on for me. And I actually allowed myself to start researching and, and spend, I think I spent, you know, a, a year, maybe a couple of days a week in rehearsal studios, just researching and allowing myself to explore in my own body, just the somatic pain and, and memory in my body connected to what's happening in the planet. And then as I'm researching, because usually I don't actually look at news that much because I'm so empathic that I just start crying all the time. <laughs> and so I let myself actually research and look at everything and see what's actually happening and let myself feel this deep pain of the world and deep pain of this disconnection and everything that's happening. And then turn that some and try and find comedy in it, you know, 
so that's like the hard thing is like, how do you find comedy when everything is just so painful? Because we can't, we, we feel so much pain and we, there's so much heaviness that, that it's like, you can't take anymore. We just can't, you know, unless we do something. And so it was like, my challenge was like, how do I, how can I find a comic vein in, in tragedy? <laughs> you know, that's why it's called the tragedy comic performance. And, and I was able to connect really deeply to my humanity character, which is, um, I call him Avery man, which means like every man, but his name is like Avery man in his plan words. And, um, and I was able to really start connecting to his inner world of he's like a, you know, businessman and, and, and from the outside stereotypical businessman, that's like, I don't care, you know, uh, you know, business is business money is the golden rule. But I was able to just really try and connect to the heart of my character and understand from the deeper, older story and the trauma of, of what men grew up in and what kind of pressure has been put on to them in some way, maybe from them, from themselves in the different ways to create, to end up coming into a world where they, the, the, the need is to dominate and control it because that's the only way for them to feel a sense of value. Mm. And, you know, and there's, and there's more, there's many more reasons behind it, but it's like, I was finally able to sit there and just cry and hold in my heart with empathy, the, the hardcore corporate businessman, you know, and then at the same time, be the planet who is, who's saying like, we've been silent long enough. We're giving you all these signs and you're not seeing us and just seeing my own story reflected all the time. Like, you know, I need to be seen. I need to be heard. I need to be listened to. And, and, and feeling that with the planet, it's like, I'm here. You're, you know, I'm freaking here. You're walking over me. You don't even see me. And so this, this, this like showdown ended up being created in the show. And it was cool because last Saturday, you know, we had the reflection time afterwards and then, or actually right afterwards, I had everyone just say, okay, let's, you know, let's take a break after the show, a couple of minutes, just wander and connect to your five senses, connect to nature. And we're in a redwood grove and I swear half of the audience was hugging trees and they weren't hippies. And, <laughs> you know, and, and it was just so beautiful to see people actually stopping and, and reconnecting to, it's not connecting to nature because being that we are nature, that's like a reconnection to self at the same time. And, and that just felt so, that felt so significant to me. Like, yeah, I'm, bringing this show forward and it's actually touching something deeply and that's that's cool so I was like being able to combine theater and inner transformation uh, how remarkable Carly that you you did that I, I mean I imagine it's pretty challenging to write an entire theatrical production on your on your own did you did you create the whole thing yourself or was it collaborative with the director um yeah so I wrote it the whole thing um I actually, in the beginning, I thought that the planet would be like a voice off or like on a video. And then I had pretty much written the whole thing. And then I ended up meeting him, which I kind of, I knew him already. Steel Lowry. He's a, he used to have a, a tea shop in, in San Rafael and he's like an MC and awesome person. And I ended up actually 
meeting him in, in this restaurant and, and he said that he was a director. I was like, okay. And I had him come see the show. And then, you know, he was, he's actually has, you know, he, he actually was schooled in New York for, for direct, he's a master's in directing and, and he basically flipped it on its head. Like we kept the whole script. We kept the whole idea, but he was like, you need to play both characters. You can't just play the guy with like a voice off. And so we ended up cutting up the script and moving it around so that I could be able to play both characters. And he totally, I think that I created the, the skeleton and he gave the life in the sense he gave the real deepest intentions of what am I doing there each at each moment. Um, so yeah, with, I think that this, the, he definitely added a lot. He added an enormous amount to the show that that's making it a successful show because of what he, he brought to it. He gave the, you know, he really juiced up the life into that show. So, yeah, but yeah, just, just coming up with the ideas, coming up with the words that, um, it was like a nine month process and we were actually going to premiere it. I, then I hired him at the end to, to work on the directing like the last month. And then we were supposed to premiere on March 28, 2020 when COVID hit. Okay. Yeah. And I never premiered it. And so I just put everything away thinking, okay, well, I already got, you know, everything I needed out of the show. I did my research. I explored my inner world. That's fine. Okay close you know i spent a couple thousand dollars on it and you know between rehearsal space director etc and uh and i thought that i would just maybe put it away forever you know and being that covid kept lasting and lasting and lasting i'm like by the time covid's over this is not even going to be relevant anymore and then <laughs> yeah and now you know covid's not over but technically we are allowed to to be uh see a, at least an outdoor performance and now that it's being pulled out of the box about you know a few months ago i i was like i think it's you know kind of about the time and it, and see my director had actually moved to washington dc in the meantime and so i had to fly him out here for a week and we just did you know eight hours a day of intensive rehearsals and and really you know, added more juice to it than before. And, and I realized that actually now is so much better than before because people are actually able to hear it. And I think maybe before it might've been slightly too, like the ground wasn't quite ready. And now I think that because of COVID, we've been through so much of these, you know, this dark, as you, I think you dark night of the soul and recognizing that, that that we are actually in a very unstable, very tumultuous moment in our history. And I think that now is actually a great time for this show to just call us back to where we actually are and what our source is and and also connecting to our our healing and our, our inner world of trauma intergenerational trauma planetary trauma <laughs> all that stuff i think that covid allowed us to see some of that and just how remarkable carly that you you've that's what i love about art right is that you put so much into it and it's this personal 
exertion of your, you know, imagination and creation and hard work. And then once you create it, it's a gift. It's just a gift that keeps being able to be offered to others. And it sounds like this is truly something. And I've heard remarkable reviews from people. I know a lot of people have already gone to the show. I'm going this Sunday for the full moon show, which I cannot wait for. Yeah, just as you describe it, it's it's one of those things. And we've all had those times where we see a movie that has a message that just it ignites something within us. And it sounds like this is one of those that you've created is something that it's so enjoyable and incredible to watch yet it the bigger thing is what it how it leaves you feeling when you walk away and you because it does sound like it dusts up with within people the reminder that we are nature that we are one with the planet there's no separation and most of us have been living most of our lives not feeling a conscious awareness of that and it is such a perfect and profound time to bring forth that reminder and offer that to people to have that experience so the fact that you're doing that in your work uh, is just incredible. And I truly applaud you. And I think that that's just so wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's funny how everything kind of seems to finally reconnect in the the different pieces of my life, because it's like, um, out here, one of the main ways that I, I live is through somatic massage. And when I say somatic, it's because, I, I end up getting intuitive messages and wisdom that comes up from the body when I massage and which is just become so apparent to me how we carry our own, our wounds, our daily stresses, our intergenerational uh, trauma, and even just things that have passed on from, from our parents, from, you know, even things in our lives that are all in the body. And I, I've gotten the chance to be able to to tap into that and, and to share with people what I'm feeling from their body. And then, and that's also connected to, you know, the Akashic Records, which I, I learned how to do last year, which was, is tapping into this higher source to be able to really channel in information and, and, understanding what energetic processes are actually happening and then how to shift them. And so it's interesting to see how with um, the theater world and that world, how it's starting to come together. For example, after the show, I, I give people a gift, which is called three activities to uh, three somatic activities to heal with nature. And so it's 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 reconnecting through the body reconnecting through nature and then healing with with ritual so it's it all ends up actually finally intertwining together and and even with the akashic records it's like i i go into this channeled space and and ask about what's happening with our planet what's happening in, in our world what's needed today what's you know what is trying to understand also the general picture of things and that's been a really helpful space for me to be able to try and take a step out of the mud and see from a larger picture of, of what's, what, what is the actual dynamic that's happening in, on a collective consciousness level. Yeah, I'm just liking to see how, how everything's finally starting to come together because I always felt before like I had two worlds in me. I had a theater world and I had a healing world. Right. And now it's like bringing that together, which feels like 
pieces of my own puzzle within are coming together. Yeah. Well, performance can be very healing. And, and another portion of your work is divine play, which I imagine is often related to mm-hmm. acting and expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so divine play, the truth be told is I've been working on the idea of divine play for about five or six months trying to combine the world of expressive arts, dance, movement, and connecting to our, our, our joyous, playful selves. And then something happens where I'm realizing that we can't get there yet because we have to travel through the hurt to get to the light. And not that I don't want to bring in any comical light fun stuff because you know that's important and that's also part of who I am but so divine play in a way has actually been slightly paused for right now because um I've actually been working on a project called somatic nature ritual and so help you know creating processes and rituals for people to help um shift a vibrational space so if it could be like just in the ritual it's like how the the idea is it's an architected an archetype (laughs) architected human experience that's full of significance and meaning so it's trying to align the inner world with the outer world so basically if i'm creating a ritual around perhaps just moving out of covid it's like honoring that space of everything I went through this year and then inviting in something new Mm -hmm. and, and then bringing in gratitude and pulling in this new energetic vibration, or it could be for a separation or it could just be for a trauma in the past and all these things. I guess right now the, the play part in that is actually how do I connect to my inner wildness in nature and how do I reconnect to that, the essence of, of, of who I am and bring that into this, this, this act of, of ritual. But speaking of play, which I do actually want to touch on because I'm, I'm like, Oh God, is it so serious? I want to talk about play. (laughs) Uh, For me, actually play is about connecting to this inner spark, this inner essence within this, this, this almost this state of curious innocence that we might've had as a child which is hard to connect to now, especially with everything that's going on and, and also even just the, the, the possible judgment that we'll have, you know, for ourselves or other people might have of us. And so when I talk about divine play to people, I actually did create a, a gift for divine play, which actually now it's changed because now it's the somatic activities for nature. But if somebody really wants the gift, they can just write me and ask me for it. And it's 10 simple ways to add more play to your life. And a lot of it is just about the spontaneity and allowing risk to happen, allowing adventure to happen because we don't control so much. It's like, how can we let go more and more and follow our impulse and, and trust that, that that excitement or that draw within is, is, um, is right. It's true. And that it's okay to go for that. And there's a lot of dropping the, the, 
our our inner critic, which is like, no, you can't do that. That's weird. What you want to dance like naked on the beach? Like, what if somebody sees you? You know, <laughs> or you know, or or like, you know, what do you want to? You know, all these things that we don't let ourselves do anymore. It's it's a lot of it is just giving ourselves permission, which is which is where we can play because we give ourselves permission to be, do whatever the frequent I won't say fuck but okay now I just said it um, <laughs> whatever whatever the freak I have to figure that out in my show because I say that I say like I say uh the f word all the time so I'm like well maybe you know eventually I'll have to learn how to not say that if I ever perform in front of students but um anyway yeah so play is really just is is connecting to this like inner inner first time Mm-hmm. in in life and I feel like the older I get I'm like I'm 43 now but it's like I, I'm allowing myself to connect to that and and the planet in my show she's actually very sometimes she's she's like Lilith the wild you know the like first arc the first woman archetype that actually got deleted from the bible because she was too wild this came before Eve her name is Lilith. You guys can look it up. And <laughs> she was like this wild nature woman who just was like powerful, but then she was uncontrollable. And so she has this deep power and force. But at the same time, in my character, the planet, she's also touched by everything. Everything touches her. She's connected with everything. Everything is like something that she feels. So there's this state of like, being this four-year-old child who's just seen the world for the first time and at the same time this deep powerful inner force of wisdom that knows so it's like combining those two together and then you get like a pretty awesome mix oh yeah Yeah. that sounds powerful yeah and amazing so carly well i love that you do work with play because, you know, as we mentioned a few times, it, it's related to joy and the expression of joy. And, and truly, I, I believe that joy is meant to be such a, a, a part of life, um, one of the most important parts of life. And yet it's something that in our current society is absolutely minimized and not very much encouraged. Definitely not the free type expression of joy that you're describing, where you're truly, like you said, you're, you're tapping into this light of first time experience and excitement, which are some of the best times in our lives. You know, I think that's some of the times where we feel the most pure expression of joy is when we're doing something for the first time and we have that thrill and excitement of, oh my gosh, this is incredible. But we lose touch with that, I feel, as we get older. And I wish that more people had more joy in their life. I think it's unfortunate that they don't. And I wish there were more people who are encouraging and doing that work with people. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to to give anyone a joy pill when they don't have the terrain ready sometimes it's like having to to reconnect and find this space but then it's also letting go of a lot of the the constraints restrictions beliefs that we have around around what's allowance of our own joy and allowance of our own um, passions and impulses and desires i guess when i feel the most joy it's it's like when i'm yeah, I'm feeling in my own essence or I'm, you know, imagine like just running on the beach or like yelling or allowing this full self-expression. And and I think for us to be able 
to be able to to fully enter into our joy it's like we have to be able to just kind of take off these layers and let and connect to something that's just so much deeper in our hearts to be able to access that and and sometimes it just takes little steps you know it's like just doing that like following mm, this is this feels a little bit exciting let me check into this and i want to follow that excitement and i want to follow that little that little drop of effervescence within and, and see where that goes and and it's about you know the other day i was out jogging and i realized i was like i'm kind of bored of this this same road i'm drawing i'm 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 running. Let me see where that goes. And it was like maybe a private property. I don't know, but he had to like jump over this like tree and this like small little fence. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it, you know? And so I like risked. And then I was like, Oh, cool. I got to the other side. And then, you know, it, it, it's like just allowing yourself to go to do something you haven't done before or to spontaneously just go with that sense of curiosity. And then life just becomes a lot more fun and joyous and adventurous because it's we, we allow ourselves to step out of what we already know and what, what's the controlled environment into the unknown and the unexpected. To finish around that is, which comes back actually to this era that we're living in of the era of fear uh, around the whole COVID. And, and we've really lost sense of, of our own inner intuition and our own, own guidance, inner guidance. And we've kind of, through fear, we've actually given it completely over to someone else that somehow we've just started trusting the people that we did not trust before, you know, um, the government or, you know, the, I don't want to go into anything too political or, or get anyone hating me. We're just, we've just really gone into this era of fear and have really lost sense of what is true for me and what actually feels right. And, and I find that really sad. It's it's heartbreaking because um, when we're disconnected from ourselves, when we are in a space of fear, we turn against each other. And I see that happening a lot right now. And and the invitation is really to just like recheck in. And you know, nature is there for that too. Is is to help us to recheck in with with what is real and what is true for us. And I would I would just love if 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 the only thing anyone gets out of this podcast is in the end is like, how can I just come back to, to my own nature and come back to what feels true and how can I, how can I truly listen to, to my heart and my inner knowing? Because we actually do know we actually do are intelligent, wise beings and we don't have to completely give over our, our autonomy and our and our sovereign sovereignty to large organizations who we don't even know the faces behind them. Carly, do you when it comes to getting more in touch with our our truth and our sovereignty, do you have any somatic exercises that the somatic nature exercises you mentioned? Do any of those help people to sort of because when we get in nature, we tend to get back to our essence. And, but then we also, yeah. there's the importance of, because of course, somatic work is body work, right? It's getting in, as you spoke of getting dip, deep into what's being held in our body and our tissue that we're ignoring so often. Are there any tips you can give our listeners just some easy exercises when they're feeling disconnected or when they're wanting to know more about their own truth, how they can do that? You know, I would, I actually did create the, the free gift that I'm giving to the people that I created actually for the people coming to my show, but it is actually on my website now. 
So that might be the easiest thing is to literally just go onto my website, which is carlycocreation.com, which I'm guessing might be in the show notes and just click on the, the three somatic activities to heal with nature, because in those three activities, one of them is actually about just connecting uh, to nature and to self. And then the other one is about resourcing when we have any questions, anything we need guidance from on how to access nature for responses and then the last one is actually about how to create a, a sacred uh, somatic nature ritual space to um, to heal or to connect with areas of ourselves that we feel disconnected from or that we need to heal. So yeah, that's probably the easiest way is just to get that get that free gift and and everything's explained. And I also have a few videos in there that I explain it also in the video, and and then get get out in nature for 20, 30 minutes. And maybe it's even just in your own backyard. Perfect. Well, now we know where to find you and we can find some resources on your website. And you said that you're going to be bringing your show to the Bay area after the run that you're doing now. When might that be? Yeah. You know, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be doing it in Bolinas again. And actually if you know, I don't have the next dates yet, but if you do get the free gift, I give out a couple, one or two muse letters during the month, which are, you know, spiritual inspirations. I also create comic videos, which are super fun. And I also give you information about my upcoming events. So that might be the best way to find out when the next uh, event will be is to, to get the free gift on my site. And then you'll also be notified um, of any upcoming events in that way. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Carly, yeah. this has been such a wonderful experience getting to hear your story and about your work and all the wisdom that you have to share. So thank you mm-hmm. for the work that you do and, and for this mm-hmm. amazing creation that you've brought forth and that's spreading so much joy and inspiration. And I can't wait to experience it as I'm sure many others can't to come to your shows mm-hmm. and more shows in the future, I'm sure will be created. Yeah. We'll look forward to those as well. Hmm. Thank you, Whitney. This was fun. I, I really enjoyed uh, running around in my little brain and pulling out random <laughs> stories. So, well, we you. enjoyed it too. It's an exciting place in there. So, thanks for letting mm-hmm. us uh, explore with you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carly. Bye. Take care. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.